This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. I know many of you had trouble sleeping last night because we left you in a cliffhanger. Yesterday we began talking about the Bible, specifically about translations and So just as a quick review, remember, the Bible was originally written by men in three different languages, two primary languages, Hebrew and Greek. So the Old Testament is primarily Hebrew, there is some Aramaic in there, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So every Bible that exists originated from those language sources, and so thankfully... God has preserved those two language groups, Hebrew Mm -hmm. and and Greek, through the the centuries, millennium, really. Mm -hmm. And so translations have been done. And you have to understand, translations have been done from early time periods. Mm -hmm. So in the time of the New Testament, the Old Testament had already been translated out of the Hebrew into the Greek language, which we call the Septuagint. And the reason why this is important is this, that many times in the New Testament, when you have quotations that people are making from the Old Testament, they're actually quoting not from the Hebrew, they're quoting from the Septuagint, Mm -hmm. which means they were willing to place confidence in a translation. So in all of this conversation, we never want you to feel like, I can't trust my English Bible, I can't trust my German Bible, or my Spanish Bible, or whatever version you might read out of. However, just know that sometimes when you're reading one English translation and you have another English translation out in front of you, and the same passage says two different words that don't seem to be related, it's because the translation team made a decision based upon the Greek or the Hebrew where sometimes there are variant meanings to words. So just like in the English language, um, now that I want one, I can't (laughs) think of one, where we use an English word that has two different meanings to it. So... Help me I'm out. Not, I'm, not, I'm not helping you out, but uh, you know that's that's just the point. You know yes. there can be there can be multiple oh, meanings. Like saw, yeah. Like yeah. you can uh, saw a piece the, of wood, or I uh, the boy saw a bird. Uh-huh. Same English word, but the context would tell the reader or the hearer what the meaning is. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some times where the context doesn't necessarily solve that for the translation team. And so they're they're making what they determine to be the most educated determination. And sometimes those aren't a wide divergence of, no. of, of meaning. Right. Actually, they may subtle. bring you to the same place. Mm-hmm. They just bring you there by a different way. 
You know, but uh, the the importance is, uh, you know, we underscore that by saying that the in the original that's that's inspired, that's infallible, mm-hmm. and um, you know what was taking place in the Reformation. You know, even even before the Reform, even before Luther, um, Erasmus was, you know, he was saying back to the sources, and so there was a a collection of the original work, and so they were already beginning to go to the sources because what had happened, it was written in Hebrew and Greek, and then there was a Latin version that came out, you know, the Latin translation, and uh, just like today, you know, where people would say, I want to use the version that Paul used, and they, you know, so they, they pick a particular English uh, translation. Back then, people were saying, well, it's Latin. Latin Latin is the pure one. Well, it wasn't the original, and mm-hmm. so Erasmus was leading people from the Latin back to the original sources so that they could uh, do <coughs> some real uh, critical examination of the text. And what you mentioned, Russell, regarding the Septuagint, the Greek uh, Old Testament, when the New Testament authors using it, you rightly mentioned that that shows they had a trust in the translation of the Hebrew. And that's a real encouragement for us, you know, as we're having this dialogue to remember that although the Bibles we read aren't the original Hebrew or aren't the original Greek or Aramaic in some small portions, yet we can read our English translations and know with certainty that this is the Word of God. This isn't a fabrication. It's not something that's just kind of brought out at thin air like the New Testament authors could trust uh, the Septuagint as the Word of God and use it with authority, we can use our English translations or your German or your Spanish translations with authority. And I think where we kind of need to be careful and draw the line, we've mentioned paraphrases, and I think where paraphrases need to be used as commentary, not as the Word of God, is that it's it's kind of like I don't know if you ever so saw that movie. So let's just mention a couple. Where the message and is the popular ta- one. Yeah, and please don't take this as us disparaging these. We're just saying that they can be tools. Yes, but just be careful as you're using them because what they are is they're they're kind of a, a copy of a copy. Mm-hmm. So they're they're a uh, one man's understanding of what the Bible might say. Well, for instance, uh, you know, when I was a young man, uh, the Living Bible came out, and the Living Bible was written by Ken Taylor. Ken Taylor was a would uh, ride the subway or ride the train to work, and what he would do was he would create a paraphrase so that when he went home at night, he could uh, teach his younger children what the Bible meant, and so he would be working out a paraphrase uh, in that, and that in that translation work that he did as a paraphrase became the living bible mm-hmm. um so it wasn't it was uh, it was one man uh, just trying to communicate to a younger audience and we have the same thing with the message bible is a is something written by eugene peterson now he's he was a gifted man uh, but it is not a translation it is more specifically a paraphrase as well so you have to understand, and maybe this would be helpful, maybe this is just going to be too much information. When a Bible is created, a translation is created, they have what's called a translation team. Mm-hmm. And so these are, are Hebrew and Greek scholars that they've gathered together, and it's not one person doing work. It's mm-hmm. a team of scholars collectively working on a text, having conversations, going back and, and comparing Mm-hmm. So what you need to know is there are different Greek manuscripts 
that have come through the ages. And so they've, they are, are Greek scholars that have basically ranked these and said, how much credence do we give this manuscript compared to this manuscript and this manuscript? So you have to think of that there are thousands of Greek and Hebrew manuscripts that exist that are being diligently compared mm-hmm. and, and, and through then, all of that work. So we have to be, I mean, I want you to know just how much you can have confidence in a translation. Right. Yep. And, and I think too, with that, we we can have confidence in the originals that God has preserved. Yes. You know, one of the yeah. things that I like to an illustration I like to use for people is that you know the the, the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures were written over a period of about fourteen hundred years using about forty different human authors, and they've been the most studied, the most examined in the minutia of detail, and they keep coming back as trustworthy. They keep coming back as being proven. You know, I. I liken it to, like, in our day and age, we just had, you know, May 4th was last week. So, you know, it's a big Star Wars day now. That started back in 1977. And from 1977 till now, there's been a host of novels. There's been TV shows and movies written. And when Disney took over it, they took all of that novel history that had been written since 1977 and just kind of threw it out as now it's a legend. And the reason they did that, because... There were holes, there were gaps, there was conflicting storylines and characters and things like that, and that's within our lifetime. Like we, we, we couldn't get a cohesive universe together and a storyline together in our lifetime, but here over 1,400 years and throughout the ages, God has preserved his word with the central message. Mm-hmm. Sometime I'll recover from the Bible and, and Star Wars being, <laughs> being compared, but yeah, that day is not this day. That, that, is, that day is not this day. It's too not soon. Today. It's too um, soon. That yeah. was so profound or something that I yeah, completely <laughs> lost. Oh, I actually made Russell quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I am baffled. Yeah. Um, what you I can was, free, feel free to use it. It's, <laughs> I think maybe it would be helpful just even to distinguish the debate that sometimes occurs between those that hold that the King James is, is the only legitimate translation and those that hold to other English translations. Um, and really what this boils down to is not the Old Testament. So if you look at the manuscripts that are used to help shape the, the Old Testament of the King James Bible and of an ESV or an NIV or an NASB or whatever you know version – those are in almost exactly the – they're using the same manuscripts. The difference is in the Greek manuscripts. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Jonathan tell us about this. I think he's – Well, I, th- I think that you know, going back to the Hebrew, you have, there, there were different ways in which those texts were copied and put forward. In the Hebrew, you know, you had these scribes that would sit down. And, I mean, every letter was counted. You know, you could – at any point, you could stop and say, you know, what number are you on? And, and if, if somebody said, I've, I've got letter V here, you know, everybody knew. And if, if somebody came up with S, you've done something wrong, and that manuscript would be tossed out and burned or buried. Well, you know, with the, with the Greek, um, it was different. You know, the you know we're told that you know the letters would go out, and this letter is supposed to be read in your church, but then it was to be read in somebody else's church, and so they they would be copied and and sent on. So there were multiple manuscripts traveling, you know, continents involved and everything else. And so when the King James was written, there was a primary manuscript that was available to people in 1611, year 1611. 
actually, I think was it May second or something was uh, was the uh, publication date of okay. this of the sixteen eleven Bible. So not near but, as famous as May fourth. No, no, no. In Yeah, but but after that was written, a number of manuscripts have been found. Uh, some rather complete manuscripts, some older. The the one that they uh, served as the main manuscript for the sixteen eleven had some portions mission. They had you know like the last chapter of uh, Revelation was. They, the, the only version that they could find was a Latin version. In order to give the feeling, they had to translate it back into Greek and then back into English. So, the, you know, that's how that translation took place. So that's why sometimes in, in an English translation, it, there'll be brackets over around some texts in the end of Mark. John 8. John 8. And what they're saying is that these were not these texts were not in some of the older manuscripts that have been found. Mm. And so they're saying, you know. Or they were they are found in different places. That's right. Yeah, mm. so, you know, it was found in John 8 here, but it's also found in Luke here or something. But all of that to say that if you compare the, the, the King James to these other English translations, really what you're going to find is very few even differences in the Greek right. translation, the New Testament as well. Very minor. And so I'm not sure if that's probably where I would settle in. There's only one viable English translation. I, I, I think what you would find if you really stopped and compared them, that there are multiple that are, are more than sufficient. I've lived with and enjoyed King James, ESV, NIV. I think we can enjoy one that we're reading. Yeah. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>